This is The Adam Ritz Show, a public affairs talk show touching on community, health, foundations, and more. The Adam Ritz Show is underwritten by Vibonomics, an audio out-of-home advertising marketplace and audio experience company. Info at Vibonomics.com. And now, from the Vibonomics studios, please welcome your public affairs radio host, Adam Ritz. Welcome to the show. My name is Adam Ritz. So glad you've climbed aboard this public affairs train. Today, I'm going to feature uh, an interview with Jock Bartley. Jock is a founding member, guitarist, and vocalist for the band Firefall, who had huge hits in the late 70s. You'll remember uh, these top 10 hits, Just Remember I Love You, Strange Way, and You Are the Woman. Now, I could hum these for you or sing them for you, but hopefully you've got those titles in your head and you, you sang along as I said them. You are the woman that I've always dreamed of. I knew it from the start. I know that was terrible, but I just wanted to paint the picture for you. Jock Bartley from Firefall. He's been involved with suicide prevention, and we're going to talk about a song he wrote for suicide prevention, as well as some other fun things uh, they've got going on over the last, really, 40 years of their uh, history. This entire interview is about an hour long, and we've got a link on our website if you'd like to hear the entire thing. You can find it on adamritzshow.com. So please welcome to the show to talk about suicide prevention, Jock Bartley from the band Firefall. I wrote a song for suicide prevention back in the late 90s. I was asked to write a song to uh, try to raise a little money for uh, a suicide hotline that was going out of business. So I wrote this song and they put it on an album that made a little money and stayed in business. And then I thought, well, what do I do with this song? And uh, I knew so many people that I went to Nashville and I did a couple of suicide prevention benefits. And Michael McDonald was my headliner both times down in, in Nashville. And uh, David Pack from Ambrosia was there twice. Winona Judd was on the second one. But anyway, we're playing at the Bluebird in Nashville, you know, a little 112-seat little club. And uh, I had Rusty Young from Polko and David Pack from Ambrosia and headliner Michael McDonald going to play some songs. So we're up there on playing, and it's halftime. We take a break, and Michael comes up to me and says, Chuck, uh, Steve Winwood's in the audience. Would you mind if he got up and sang a song or two? And I went, Would I mind? So anyway, Steve Winwood gets up, plays my acoustic guitar, and we do... Um, I Can't Find My Way Home by Blind Faith with Michael McDonald and David Pack and my backup man and me playing that song and the crowd's freaking out and, you know, we finish Can't Find My Way Home and he takes the guitar off and is going to go off the stage and Michael grabs his arm and says, no, no, you have to play Give Me Some Lovin', you know, which is one of the best rock and roll songs ever. Give Me Some Lovin' by Spencer Davis group. You know, R.I.P. Spencer Davis, who just yeah. died recently. Yeah. And uh, so on that song, um, and, and it's just, it's, Steve Winwood sits down on Michael's Rhodes piano and says, uh, I need an organ set for you. Give me some love. Going, okay, here you go. So I got to play Give Me Some Love in one of my absolute favorite rock and roll songs, standing three feet away from Steve Winwood singing it and sharing a mic with Michael McDonald, you know, singing, give me some love and background parts 
with David Pack on stage playing and singing too. And those are three of the best rock singers ever. You know, and Steve Winwood. I mean, I, you know, I could have died and gone to heaven that night because I got to play with Michael McDonald and Steve Winwood. And that was in the 90s? Uh, yeah, I was 98, I think. That's unbelievable. That was in 98. I did another one in 99 and then uh, did one in 2000 in, uh, in San Francisco with Journey was the headliner. That would be uh, one of the best Yacht Rock radio lineups ever, having Michael McDonald and David Pack and, uh, and you and Firefall on the same stage singing the same song. I mean, you were way ahead of yeah. your time. You saw this Yacht Rock thing coming before anybody. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the cool thing is, is that I played a, and Firefall played a small role in that fantastic music of the 70s. And we we had enough hits and had a big enough hit with you are the woman to to open shows for the Doobie Brothers and the band and Fleetwood Mac and then the Rumors tour and you know Pablo Cruz and and uh, you know and, uh, there were so many amazing shows we played like the Almond Brothers Jeff Beck and Firefall or you know Fleetwood Mac Bob Seger and Firefall and you know just um, amazing how fortunate you know, things, you know, things happened back then. And it's all, uh, again, back to the songs. If you don't have the song or the singer to sing them, you know, it doesn't matter how great your guitar player or your drummer is. It's like, you don't got a lot. You need a good song. Jock, we do uh, a public affairs uh, radio show as well. I, I, I want to ask you about that uh, suicide prevention work you did. Are you still involved with that? A little bit. Um, truth was, is, after I started doing shows with some big name people headlining, and I knew that we weren't going to make very very much money toward the cause, but it was more about raising awareness. Yeah, you know, and I and I was very fortunate to um, be part of the the push to get a national eight hundred suicide hotline back when David Satcher was uh, attorney general. Or, yeah, was it attorney general or? Anyway, um, it, I think it was during the Carter administration. But, um, you know, I do do some stuff when asked, but it was really funny because once it turned into a business, and hey, this guy, Jock Bartley, with his song, you know, had Journey just play. We should, you know, and I had two almost competing, um, you know, from Washington, D.C., bureaucratic, you know, uh, suicide deals who were kind of fighting over the money that might be made because they would need to do another convention or they wanted to do this or do that. And I'm going, no, if, if I'm involved, I want to determine where the money goes. And for instance, when we were in Nashville, I wanted it to stay in Nashville. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to go, you know, to, you know, just into the bank account in Washington, DC to be paid out for whatever, because we all know how, you know, how suicide is such serious, not talked about um, problem for a lot of young people. And back in those days, in the late 90s and early 2000s, um, you know, suicide was like the sec second or third leading cause of death between the ages of, uh, you know, 16 and 25. And you're going, man. So anyway, yeah, I'm a sucker for a good cause. I've done domestic violence. Flood relief, and you know, I I do like to try to 
turn turn things around and be able to turn people on in a positive manner through a song, you know, to some some of the the bad stuff going on in society or in the environment or whatever. It's great to hear. It's uh, it's inspiring for me and our listeners to know uh, that you get involved and want to make uh, make things better. Uh, if we could all get involved and make something a little bit better. Uh, certainly this planet would be a, a better place. We've been speaking with Jock Bartley from Firefall. It's just been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. I, I'd like to uh, um, even plant the seed to continue some sort of suicide awareness, suicide prevention awareness uh, show or event in Nashville once the pandemic uh, flattens out or goes away. Uh, I don't know if you know hey, it could this. It be in Indianapolis. It's ha- it happens everywhere. It could be... It could be just about anywhere, and you know what? After after the show's over, uh, if you'll give me your um, your email address, I'll send you the song "Call on Me." That was the song that I wrote, being asked by the suicide prevention people to write a song that had a, a, a positive message to it. And the song that came out, you know, if you're right-brained enough as a writer, sometimes you can just kind of channel almost like somebody else writing your lyrics for you, you know, and suicide is one of the most devastating and negative things that we've got going. And yet my song is really a positive, you know, thing talking to those people and the name call on me of the song. uh, The singer of that song is the person who's manning the hotline telephone, talking to a kid in crisis and talking him down. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool. So I'll send you the song, Adam. Yeah, send me the song, and, and I'll play it on, uh, on the Public Affairs Show. That sounds great. Cool. Hey, the, the one last thing I'll say before we quit, I know you're winding it down. Um, you mentioned our new single, Way Back When. Real quickly about that song, um, when I started writing the chorus on that, because I really wanted to write it, in the vein of the birds or an early Beatles song or whatever, but the first verse and chorus are set in 1965. The second verse and chorus is 67. And the third verse and chorus is in 1969. And it's about his girl, uh, about the guy and his girlfriend who were listening to the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the birds. And in the second verse, it's, Aretha Franklin and the Young Rascals, and in the third verse, it's Let It Be and Led Zeppelin, and it's kind of a, uh, looking back longingly at how great the music of the late 60s was. Back in those days, it was unbelievable, and, uh, you know, to have gone through that as a young teenager, you know, just, you know, it totally affected my future life and my future musical career all that great music, and it's kind of a homage to the um, to the music of the '60s. And my son Jamie, who's quite a photographer, graphic designer, artist, he's a great drummer too. Um, I he made the video, and I told him, "Here's what I want for the verses." And you know, I want pictures of you know the Stones or Aretha Franklin or Marvin Gaye or you know uh, Creedence Clearwater you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and I want it to be a pictorial kind of a documentary of the music that inspired this song. So anyway, way back when 
is uh, near and dear to my heart because it's like me looking back at how great the music was in the late 60s. And, of course, the 70s, not in that song, but, I, you know, I'm humbled to have been a small player in the, uh, in the music of the 70s because when you think about, you know, the Eagles and Little River Band and Fleetwood Mac and oh, just all those Doobie Brothers, all those great bands, you know, we got to tour with them all and got to know them pretty well. So then I have to ask you when your book comes out. And if and if you don't have plans to write one, I'm telling you, you've got enough stories and you're part of music history. I need to I need to read a book from Jock Bartley. Well, thanks for saying so, but the truth is, is there are so 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 many books by rock and roll guys that want to tell their story. And some of them are just great. Keith Richards' book and Don, uh, Don Felder's book and, you know, and then there's some that, you know, just don't hold together for me. So, you know, I, I've, I've written a book and I'm an artist and I do a lot of stuff, but it seems pretty egotistical to think, okay, Hey, let's tell my story. When I got to meet Paul Simon, you know, backstage, you know, I, I couldn't bring myself to say, hi, Paul, I'm John Bartley with Firefall and blah, blah, blah. And here's about me because it was, Friggin' Paul Simon, you know, <laughs> and it was like, you know, and I remember putting it up on Facebook, the picture, you know, people say, well, why didn't you tell him who you were? And I went, my God, that's like trying to, you know, impress Paul McCartney or something. It's like, no, 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 I'm not that big of an egotist. But at the same time, I was so thrilled to meet one of my heroes, Paul Simon, and I told him, you know, I learned how to finger pick because of you. So as far as he knew, you were just some... It's just some guy that plays guitar in your basement? I don't know. I mean, he already had his coat on. It was winter, and he was getting in the limo, and I was the last person in line to shake his hand. And I knew that I didn't want to take too long. And I should have said, you know, I'm I'm Jocker with the band Firefall, and, uh, you, know, you know, we just love your stuff. I could have said that, but I did. You know, that's okay. From this conversation and that final story, I mean, you are a, a very humble person, and you've said you several times you've said that you're lucky and you were lucky to be part of the of the music scene in the '70s, and that you appreciate your fans. I mean, I'll tell you as a fan, we love hearing that, and I know that's not you know those weren't just words; it was sincere and genuine coming from you. So, as a fan, we thank you for appreciating. Uh, to look at it egotistical from your perspective, what you've meant to this music industry, uh, we appreciate uh, everything you've said in the last hour. Uh, Jock Bartley has been our guest well, thank you. from Firefall. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on, and love all you fans out there, and keep rocking, folks. Well, we're going we're gonna to have you on again. Uh, I guarantee it. We're going to meet in person at some sort of Yacht Rock Radio Festival. Again, the new album is Comet. comes out in December featuring the uh, first release called Way Back When, which is sort of a throwback to the songs from the 60s. Uh, it sounds great. How can our listeners, uh, I guess, download it or get it? Uh, it? You mentioned your son made the video. Is that going to be on YouTube? Our record label is uh, releasing the song and... You can go to firefallofficial.com, but it's uh, the, the video and the song are going to be on, uh, uh, on, on YouTube and probably Amazon and hopefully a lot of places. And you know, it's, a, it's a real upbeat, happy song that 
uh, our friend John Jorgensen, the guitar player from uh, Death Band and Elton John's band, and one of the best guitar players in the world. I asked him to play 12-string on it because it's kind of like a, you know, a Jim McGuinn, Roger McGuinn bird song and needed 12-string really bad on it. So we had John Jorgensen as a guest appearance on that song. So thank you for having us. Um, the album comment we're really proud of. It had been too many years that we didn't have any new music. And I, as band leader, I figured it was it was high time. So... We put together the album over the last couple of years, and we're really proud of it. So, uh, Your name is one of the greatest radio names. Uh, it sounds fake. Is that your real name, <laughs> Jock Bartley? Well, it's my, uh, Jock is my middle name. It was my grandfather's name. I'm James Jock Bartley, but ever since I was uh, a, a baby, my mom and my dad called me Jock. So, yeah, I've always been Jock Bartley. I mean that's fantastic. <laughs> it sounds like I should I should have been a radio guy. You should have been a radio DJ hosting uh, afternoons in uh, in Atlanta or something uh, on the air in the air chair with Jock Bartley. Right, I could be Jock the Jock. The one of the best jocks of all time. Were you an athlete with a name like Jock? I was a basketball player mostly, but you know it's interesting because the only the only two things I ever worked really, really, really hard on in my life was my jump shot and playing guitar, which I started when I was eight and a half years old. And by the time the Beatles hit in 1964, I'd already played like five years. So it was really cool being able to get a Beatles album and, and kind of figure out the chords and play along when I was 13 years old. When you were 13, were you a better jump shooter or guitarist? Uh, I don't know. I I probably wouldn't. When I was, well, you know, I was going to say when I was 16 or 18 in my basketball prime, I had a great jump shot. It was the high scorer on our team and stuff. But, you know, the truth is I got to be a really, really, really good guitar player, lead guitar player, and I knew even in high school that that's what I was probably going to do. And being a short guy at five foot ten, you know, I knew that I wouldn't have much of a college basketball career, even though I had a nice jump shot. So it was in high school when you, I, I'm guessing, what grade when you were like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all in with music and guitar and put the basketball down. I didn't put the basketball down until uh, I went to college when I was uh, you know, the year after high school, but um, I started. I was in my first band when I was a freshman in high school at 14 years old and that was uh, pretty much 1964 and you know the british invasion and the beatles and the stones and all the all the great bands of the 60s and the music of the 60s and i had been i had a really famous jazz guitar player named johnny smith and he was i didn't know it at the time but he was grooming me to be the next little jazz prodigy and after the beatles came out you know, God bless him. He, you know, I just, you know, the, all the jazz stuff I was learning wasn't, it was bouncing off my brain. And I'm going, I want to be in a rock band. <laughs> that, well, there's, there's a difference between uh, me and you, because I too played high school basketball. I also wanted to be in a rock band. Uh, however, I had zero musical talent or ability. So God bless you for uh, getting into music <laughs> and and being good at it and providing uh, songs with the, that have just had such meaning and 
to so many listeners. We'll talk about those radio hits from the late 70s in a minute. Uh, we have you on the show to talk about new music. Firefall, it's been around for decades, and you're still making music. A new album coming out December 11th called uh, Comet, and the yep. first hit from the album is called Way Back When, and that comes out here in a few days uh, this November. Uh, tell me what it's like to be in a band that this wa- is this well-known with this much uh, history that's still playing this many years later with so many founding members still in the band. Well, I know how fortunate I am to have Mark Andes, the bass player who early on was in Spirit and JoJo Gun out in L.A. and then joined Firefall in Colorado and then later, uh, you know, was in Heart for 10 years and has played with Joe Walsh and Stevie Nicks and Dan Fogelberg. And Mark is a rock star bar none and one of the best bass players around. He's great. And uh, David Muse, our saxophone flute keyboard player, was the original guy who came up all the, with all those great sax and flute parts on the early records. And it's just fantastic having three out of the five of us be an original because we all know that there's a number of, quote, classic rock bands out there who don't even have one original member. So I know how lucky I am with that. Yeah, we're getting old, and, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's amazing. But I'll tell you what, having so many fans out in the in the world and in the United States when we go on the road, which of course hasn't been happening much this year, when we go out on the road, I love seeing not only people our age in their 60s and approaching 70 and their 50s singing along, but a lot of times there'll be 20 and 30 year old uh, sons and daughters of Firefall fans who know all our songs and come out to the shows too. So we have a couple of generations of fans, and frankly, I have to just say, the reason that is, is because the songs were so great, written by Rick Roberts and Larry Burnett back in the old days, and additionally, the synergy between the, the six of us in the band, we just sounded really unique, and nobody else really sounded like Firefall, and we had all those great songs that Rick and Larry were presenting us to make records with, and it was uh, fantastic. You mentioned uh, the generations of people in the audience. When did it first hit you that the the younger crowd was uh, was into your stuff? Was that maybe 20 years ago, or is that a more recent phenomenon? Yeah. No, no, it was, it was 15 or 20 years ago. And what would blow me away is we'd be up there playing Just Remember I Love You or strange way or Mexico or Cinderella and I'd look out into the crowd and here were some 25 or 30 year old uh, people out there singing along with all of our songs and I'm going they weren't even born when these songs were hit <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know uh, parents you know parents uh, have a tendency uh, back particularly back in those days to play a lot of their favorite music and I I have to say that Coming out in the 70s was perfect timing for Firefall, and to be in the fraternity that included Dan Fogelberg and the Eagles and Little River Band and, you know, all those great bands with wonderful songs in the 70s, um, what a great time to be in a band, and, you know, how lucky for me to have all those great songs and 
I mean, we put our first album out in 1976, and it became the the uh, the quickest album on Atlantic Records to ever go gold. You know, went gold in about a month and a half just because of You Are the Woman in Mexico and Cinderella, and it was just a really unique-sounding album. But that always blew me away because on Atlantic Records was the Rolling Stones and Led Zeppelin and Aretha Franklin and the Young Rascals and stuff. And to to have a Firefall be an album, be the the, the you know, and their history was just amazing. Now that's worth saying again. So on Atlantic Records, that had the Rolling Stones and Aretha Franklin. Firefall was the fastest band to have an album go gold with, with their entire yep. library. I mean that that is amazing. Those are great bragging rights. Yeah, that's uh, it's amazing, and I certainly don't brag about it or hardly ever tell anybody about that. But I'd have that on my business card if I was you. <laughs> <laughs> fastest gold record on Atlantic Records. <laughs> but you know, I and uh, you know, I, I still question that because you know, Led Zeppelin. You know, come on. I know their first album, nobody heard of them, but like their second album, they had you know, a whole lot of love or something on there. You know, that had to go gold real quick. quick. But Firefall was really blessed. And, you know, uh, one of the, one of the uh, great things, Captain Adam, was that suddenly we were on the road behind our first album, and we were playing with the Doobie Brothers, and we played the band, uh, with Levon Helm and Robbie Robertson and uh, and all the all those guys, we did their last tour right before they went out and made the last Waltz movie. Um, then we went to Fleetwood Mac for about a month and a half in 1976 behind their White Album, so that they really liked us as an opening act because we had good songs and could kick ass in you know 35 minute set. And uh, when rumors came around the next year. We were one of their prime opening acts for the Rumors Tour, which was playing in front of fifty to 100,000 people a night. Now, I read that uh, you got your record deal, uh, seemed fairly quick, at least the way I read it, and you're telling me that you uh, had your first album go gold in a month. So I'm sort of sensing oh, here... Oh, I don't know exactly how quick it did, but it, what they say, it was the quickest ever on Atlanta. Okay, record. maybe not a month. two months, or... A month and a half, but it was really fast. I got gotcha. you. So I'm sensing that um, the the initial launch of Firefall was a whirlwind, and you got big fast. So is are we talking a, a six month period where one day you are in, you're living in a in a car eating leftover fast food, and six months later <laughs> you're playing a hundred thousand people and eating filet mignon. <laughs> Well, I've never lived in a car, so I, I don't know <laughs> if I can answer that one. But, you know, um, it was pretty amazing because I'll tell you a quick little story. I was, I've was i had a couple of really fortunate being at the right place and right time um, episodes in my musical life. And I totally fell into um, the band Grand Parsons, Amy Lou Harris, and the Fallen Angels in 1973. And I was... Before I went and auditioned with them, they needed a guitar player. Their guitar player pretty much sucked. And in Boulder, Colorado, they put out the word, we need a guitar player. I went and auditioned and got hired and left for the road the next morning. And 
you know, two days before I met Graham Parsons and Amy Lou Harris, I was painting apartments in order to pay my rent in my apartment <laughs> building. And three days after, on the second gig that we ever played with Graham and Amy Lou, uh, Linda Ronstadt and Neil Young walks out and sits in with us. And I can distinctly remember being on stage going, man, four days ago I was painting apartments, and now I'm on stage with Linda Ronstadt and uh, Neil Young. And the interesting sidelight to that story is that that was the first time that Linda Ronstadt and Amy Lou ever met or sang together. And, of course, their voices were so different, but the blend that the two of those had, I was there for that, and it was unbelievable. That is awesome. Did you ever paint another apartment again after that day? Oh, uh, my own apartment. <laughs> Me being a painter, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fine artist, too, and I'm one of the few people I know that actually like painting a living room or a bathroom, you know? Because I'm I'm a painter, but uh, no to 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 pay for my rent, I never did have to. Well, that's that's an incredible story. I love that one. Uh, we're speaking with Jock Bartley, founding member, uh, guitarist, vocals for Firefall. Uh, that's a great segue to talk about yacht rock. I, I'm sure you're aware of the term. You've been on some yacht rock uh, concerts or festivals. Uh, when was the first time you heard yeah. the term yacht rock? Oh man, probably about four or five years ago. And I, and I didn't really understand it because I thought, you know, I understood the music and, you know, the music is what I grew up with and, you know, had a very small role in the years that a lot of those songs that you play now. But boy, what a genre. I mean, we all grew up with that. It's great. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live in studio at the Vibonomics Worldwide Headquarters. Learn more about the Vibonomics Audio Out of Home Marketplace at Vibonomics.com. For information on this broadcast, including past on-demand episodes, interview submissions, and syndication contacts, visit AdamRitzShow.com.